and the questions become clear and for that sacred moment all doubts won't interfere
your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 26, Acts chapter 26. Thank you, Brother Jason, for helping us this morning. Uh, this is uh, an intimidating place in here, especially if you're not used to doing that, but I appreciate his willingness. Amen, church? And I'm so thankful for Miss Barbara for stepping in as well this morning with the choir. Thank you very, very much. And uh, it's good to be in the Lord's house. It's good to be saved. It's good to be among God's people. Boy, what a pick-me-up this morning. What a pick-me-up to get in the presence of the Lord. I tell you what, folks, he's still on his throne. He knows what's going on. He's got the whole world in his hands. And I know there's times we doubt it. I know there's times we think about it. But you know this, God is in control. Trust in him. Rest in him. Acts chapter 26. We'll start our reading in verse 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee, to be an expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning. If they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw in a way a light from heaven. Boy, aren't you thankful for the light from heaven shown down in our life above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and with them and journeyed with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise, Stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, 
to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Dear Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word. Give me power to preach your word. Lord, meet with us right now. Help us, Lord, to get all the distractions out of our mind, out of our hearts, so that we can focus on you. Lord, I want to be obedient to you this morning. Lord, I don't want to be seen or heard, but I want Jesus to be seen. I want you to be heard this morning. Minister to our hearts. Save souls. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, the fruit of new life. If you were here last week, we talked about the valley of dry bones, where the Lord sent Ezekiel... Uh, into the valley of dry bones and told them to prophesy and that he would breathe down new life into them. And so I want to talk a little bit further about that new life. I want to talk about a few things that will show up when God breathes into us. I believe within our hands is the word of life. If you want to see life, open this book up. This is the word and the bread of life. It is fulfilling. Amen? It will fill you up. I want you to know that he has given us the word of life, but also the breath of life. But when the breath of life is there, there will be some fruit that will be there also. And the other night in our BTC class, Brother Carl made a statement. He said, it is amazing the difference of the disciples when you look in the Bible before the resurrection of Jesus and after the resurrection of Jesus. And I began to think about that, and I, I, I thought about it in a different light that I've never seen before. And if you think about before the resurrection of Jesus, how sorry the disciples were. They didn't even truly believe in everything that he said. They doubted most everything about the cross and the resurrection. There was so much doubt and so much fear. There was one, of course, that turned him in and traded uh, and went behind his back, denied him. Uh, as they got to the Last Supper there, they were fighting over who was going to be the greatest and the best. They got to the garden where he went to pray. They couldn't even stay up long enough to, uh, to, to watch out for the soldiers to come to arrest Christ. We know Peter denied Jesus three times and you know what man they make me feel better about myself and I thought man that, that that's kind of sorry and you look at their behavior before the resurrection of Jesus compared to after the resurrection of Jesus and you look at their behavior after the resurrection of Jesus their faith was different their obedience was different let me tell you something folks new life will change you forevermore and there was something about them seeing the resurrected Savior that changed them forever. Isn't that amazing? They were so sorry. They were so disobedient and unfaithful at times. But seeing that new life, experiencing that new life changed them forevermore. The same man that denied Jesus three times was the same man that saw the resurrected Savior and went and preached sermons that had three and 5,000 souls saved. You don't tell me the resurrection of Jesus won't change somebody. Amen. That when he breathes down unto us, that new life enters. 
And there's going to be fruit. And it's going to be evident that God and Jesus has showed up inside. We look in the book of Acts chapter 26. And we see the apostle Paul before King Agrippa. And he's testifying. And he's given his own testimony about how God changed him. And how God saved him. And how God entered into his life and made an impact. And folks, if there is ever a man that made a change, it was Saul. There's ever a man that needed to be saved, it was Saul. If there was ever a man that needed to get on the right path, it was Saul. And bless God, he began to tell of his experience on that Damascus road that he began to travel down and he said there was a light that shone down that got his attention. Folks, I want you to know that when there is new life, there is a genuine conversion. And he's standing before King Agrippa and he's defending the word of God and he's telling the word of God, but he's doing it through his own testimony. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I've got a testimony. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I've got a reason to tell people about how good God is. He didn't get difficult. He didn't go, go down and get in deep theology. But he began to tell what God did for him and the first thing that we find is a genuine conversion. Folks, when God gets in you, there's going to be a genuine conversion. I want you to notice of this genuine conversion. Notice first off the position. Notice in verse 14. He said, And we were all fallen to the earth. And I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, while persecuted, persecutest thou me. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. So notice the position of this man by the name of Saul. This man who was a Pharisee. This man that hated Christ, who hated Christians, who devoted himself to demolishing the word of life, to demolishing every person that ever testified of Jesus Christ. And he was on his way to kill and persecute more Christians. He was on his way. But the Bible said in verse 13 that a light came down from heaven a light came down from heaven and then when that light came down from heaven he said we were all fallen to the earth when there is a genuine conversion I want you to notice the position that God will put you in I love to say that in order for you to get saved you're going to have to stand up and, and poke that chest out and realize who you are and what you can do but Folks, if there's going to be a genuine conversion, there must be humility. There must be brokenness. There must be a realization that you cannot do this without Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. A man that had a heart full of hatred and bitterness and pride. I'm telling you, he was evil. He talked like a sailor. May I tell you that he'd cut you with his words. He'd cut you with his sword. He'll do anything and, and anything he could do to destroy Christ and his message in the church and Christians. If Saul lived in, in the day that in which we worship today, we would probably hate his guts, would be terrified of him and we wouldn't want him in this place. That very man that was so proud, that very man that was so evil, God shone a light down and it was so bright and the influence was so great that this man could do nothing but fall to the face of the earth. I'm going to tell you something, folks. God knows how to get your attention better than anybody. 
God knows how to humble us. God knows how to break us. May I tell you, if there's going to be a true conversion, there must be a true breaking. There must be a true humility. So many times we fight these false professions of faith. Do you know why I think there's so many false professions of faith? Because we're not getting lost before we get saved. We don't want to get to that place of brokenness that Saul was at, that he just fell on the face of the earth and said, God, here I am. May I tell you, there's not a medicine in this world, there's not a doctor in this world, there's not a remedy in this world that can heal you when God's trying to get your attention. When God is trying to get your attention and you're flat on your back, there's nowhere to look but up. And may I tell you, He knows how to get our attention. He knows the position that we need to be in and this pride, prideful man who was so full of himself could not do anything but to fall down. Oh, the presence of an almighty God. I forgot a lot of days, but I've never forgotten the day that that light came down, shine into my life and influenced me and changed me forevermore. When that light sh shined down on me, I had nothing to boast of. I had nothing to brag about. My very best in his presence was like filthy rags. Oh, what a mighty God. I love to tell you that you're perfect, you're pretty. For some of y'all, that's a stretch this morning. But the reality of it is the Bible said we're sinners. We come short of the glory of God. And if there's going to be new life, we must get lost. And we must realize that without a personal relationship with Him, that we are doomed for a devil's hell. And we must be in that position that we can look at Him. And folks, when you're down, look at me. Look at me. Everybody, look at me. When you're down, He's high. Amen. So the lower you get, the higher He gets. If we get low, He'd get high. I want you to notice the problem. Notice what He said in verse 14. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I want you to notice what he's doing here. He said, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Is it hard? It is hard for thee to prick against, uh, kick against the pricks. This story that he gives, this analogy here, is a goat. It's hard to kick against the goat or an ox goat. And he gives this story, uh, and Saul knows what he's talking about. And an ox goat was a long pole with a pointed piece of iron at one end. And this was used for oxen. And the farmer would be out there with his oxen and he would have this long pole with this metal end. And this is how he would use this to prod the oxen, to guide the oxen, to steer the oxen. And every which way he wanted them to turn, he would use the ox goat. He would use the ox goat. Isn't it amazing that God has given us the word of life? And God is guiding us and steering us and prodding us. And He's using this against us and for us and in us to point us and direct us and guide us. Isn't that beautiful? But every now and then the oxen are hard-headed and stubborn. Think they can do it all. And that very ox goad that's used to help them can hurt them. When they get mule-headed... Some of you men, uh-huh. 
I figured I'd get some amen from some women in here. When we get hard-headed and don't want to do what God wants us to do, that very thing that He's using to get us to a good place and the right place, we begin to kick back. We don't want to do that. You know what happens? It begins to cut. The Word of God begins to pierce. You know what happened to Saul? The conviction of the Holy Spirit of God entered into his life. And the message was there to guide him and lead him. You know where he heard the message? From a deacon by the name of Stephen who preached the Word of God. And he was stoned and beat to death. The Bible said Stephen looked up and saw the glory of God. That they beat this man to death and they threw him the feet of a young man by the name of Saul. And that same Saul heard the gospel message that day. And that same message that went down in his heart was an ox goat. And it began to guide him and lead him to Jesus. But old Saul said, I'm too proud. Old Saul said, I can do it without him. Old Saul said, I don't need that religious stuff. Old Saul said this and Saul said that. But the Word of God was in his heart convicting and piercing. Y'all ever left saying, I can't believe the preacher preached that. Folks, I got 400 folks in here. I didn't come preach to one person. Amen. Amen. He pushed the ox go, the Word of God in our life to guide us and steer us and prod us and it's meant for good. But if we get hard-headed, it's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt and it's going to hurt and we're going to get mad at the preacher. We're going to get mad at everybody else and it's nothing more or nothing less than God trying to get us to where He wants us. He's guiding, leading. And from the very moment, the words, the words of that deacon entered into the heart of that man. The Holy Spirit began to take that ox goad. Get saved, Saul. You're lost. You come short of the glory of God. Boy, aren't you thankful for the Word of God? He takes that Word, and He's guiding us. Where's He guiding us? To Jesus. Y'all look at me. Look at me up here. He's guiding us to Jesus. Our whole life, He's using this ox goad to guide us to Jesus. Our whole life, lost or saved, He's guiding us. And this is meant for good. Until we rebel. Until we get hard-headed. Until what, what the oxen do? They kick back. I don't need you. I don't want to do that. I know better. Folks, he knows better. He knows better. The conviction he'd been fighting and fighting and fighting. And bless God, Brother Allen, he had enough. And the light of heaven shone down about in his life. And it got his attention and he fell down upon the face of the earth. And I want you to notice the person of this conversion. In verse 15, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Who showed up that day? Jesus. Notice the person of a true conversion. You see, the answer to the need of this man's heart was not Judaism. It was Jesus. The need that Saul had in his heart was not a dead religion, but it was a living man. 
Understand today the, the thing that he needed to be fixed in his life did not come from philosophies. It did not come even from theologies. But it came from meeting a man by the name of Jesus. Understand this is the book of Acts. These letters are written in red. Jesus appeared unto this man. We say, well, the red letters is in Matthew, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I forgot the books of the Bible, my goodness. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But in the book of Acts, we see the red letters again. Because Jesus didn't just speak to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He spoke to everybody that receives him. And he enters into their life. And he said, I'm Jesus. Whew, he didn't say, I'm Muhammad. He didn't say, I'm Balaam. He said, I'm Jesus. And this man that was dead because of religion. This man that was dead because he was a Pharisee and hung up on legalism. That day he met Jesus. I hope I don't offend you this morning. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the remedy. A relationship with him is the answer to life, folks. And when Jesus showed up, there was a true conversion. Well, preacher, I think I got saved. Well, what happened? Well, I went down there, and I talked to the preacher. And I'm telling you, that preacher, and that preacher, and that preacher, and that preacher, and I got to the baptistry, and that water, and that water, and that water. Man, I got tickled last week. We had seven to baptize. Jerry Bowen said we had ten get baptized, only seven people. All them baptisms we had up there. Man, wasn't that awesome? It was good. But a conversion is so much more than that, folks. A true conversion is entering into a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus. That's the fruit of new life. Is that now you know Him. And He knows you. Notice what He said in verse 16. Y'all with me? He said, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. When there's new life, there will be a genuine conversion and there will be a great commission. There will be a great commission. Your life will change. Your focus will change. Your desires will change. Your outlook will change. I'm telling you, everything will look different. Everything will seem different. God will change you. When He saves you, He will change you. Man, He had a genuine conversion. But He also received a great commission. Now he was given new purpose. He was given new life. Notice what he said in verse 16, but rise, stand upon thy feet. How did he start this story? We're falling to the earth. He was laid back. He was broken and humble. He was on the face of the earth. God saved him. God said, get up. Y'all listening? Get up. Stand up. Oh, aren't you glad God can get you on your feet? And he begins to give them the Great Commission. Three words in the Great Commission out of Matthew 28. Go, teach, 
baptized. When you got saved, God gave you the Great Commission. Go, teach, and baptize. Get up. You can't go if you're still on your back. You can't go if you're sitting on the pew all the time. I love this thing, the worship service. But folks, it's so much more than a worship service. When you get saved, it's going every single day and teaching people the principles of God. And the very day that this man had a genuine conversion, he received a great commission. And God bestowed upon his life this mission that changed him forever. Notice what he made him. Number one, he made him a minister. The word minister means an under rower, one in subordinate position, one who acts under the direction of another. You know what this means? That Paul was under new orders. He was no longer to go by what he thought and what he saw. He was now to be directed by his new Lord and his new Savior, Jesus Christ. He was to follow the orders that Christ gave him. And what was that? Go, teach, baptize. Go, teach, baptize. Understand this. Being a minister means to be under one. We are under one. This is no longer your life. Look at me, please. The day you got saved, He gave you a great commission. And He said, go. So many of us are not going because we have not put ourselves under His rule. A lot of y'all can call Him Savior, but I wonder how many of you can call Him Lord. May I tell you, at 13 years old, I made Him my Savior, but at 20 years old, I made Him my Lord. And I got under His rule, and He said, Go. Go. Oh, I'm so glad I went. His life was no longer the same. He was no longer to kill Christians, but now it was to make Christians. It was no longer to destroy the testimony of God, but now to exalt and dignify who God is. May I tell you, your purpose is gorgeous today. It's to lift up Jesus. It's to go and tell everyone who Jesus Christ is. That's why Saul became Paul. And he said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The only thing that he could think of when he woke up in the morning is what can I do for my Savior today? I'm going to say that again. Y'all going to hate me in this time. What can I do for my Savior today? Folks, that's new life. Waking up with new vision, new purpose. He said, I'll make you a minister. You know what else? He made him a messenger. He said, go tell. Go tell. Go speak. That word messenger, eventually we got the English word martyr from. Because so many of those messengers was martyred. Killed for the truth of Jesus Christ. You go tell them about Jesus. You go tell them about what he did for your life. If you're not telling people what God did for you, you are not doing what God has saved you for. God did not save you just to take you to heaven. God saved you so that you could serve Him and that you could find purpose. But if you're not going and you're not speaking, you're not living it right, folks. Because when there's new life, 
there's going to be a great commission show up in your life. I love when I hear a preacher, I just had to tell him. I love when Paul said, as much as in me is. Man, it's just bottled up. I got to go tell him. Go speak it. Go tell him. Then he said, a mediator. I need one to stand in the gap. Folks, if Jesus has saved your soul, you got a calling in your life. Brother Allen, there's a lot of folks dying and going to hell. In the book of Ezekiel, the Bible said that he sought out a man to stand in the gap. And he looked and he could find nobody. Your lost family needs someone to stand in the gap. Your lost co-worker needs somebody to stand in the gap. This community needs somebody standing in the gap. I don't want to be like any other church. I don't want to be like any other religion. I want everybody to know what we got and why we got it. Because what we got is some good stuff. And it's so good that I should want it for my neighbor and my family member and this entire community. Church, we got to go. We got to go. But my gosh, all the money we're spending. Who cares? We got to go. Well, my goodness, you got all these kids in here. and You know, we got them throwing up in the new sanctuary. And we got this and this. Who cares? We got to go. You say, well, we got sickness. We got this. We can't. Folks, we've got to go. We got to go send somebody, go tell somebody, do something to get Jesus out to this lost and dying world. And it's not Brother Carl's job, it's not Miss V's job, it's my job. I can't look to them. And it's the same with them. They can't rely upon me, they got to do it themselves. You know why this church is growing like it is? Because when I go witness to somebody, they say, you know what? And everybody I talk to from that promised land, they invite me to church, but they invite me to heaven too. I walked in a courthouse the other day, two ladies in there I'd never met before. And I just, man, I went in just preaching. And they said, man, that, that's kind of familiar. They said, you know, there was a man in here not long ago from Promised Land. Man, he preached to us. Man, I'm telling you, he went 10 minutes telling us about Jesus. But they didn't know who it was. I don't know who it was. Jesus knows who it was. Well, as a pastor, my old chest was popping out. About like Bobby Shock there, you know. Man, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Go. Teach. Get the word out. You want to be a disciple? Then go. Get on fire. Find somebody somewhere. Tell them what Jesus did for you. And I hear it all the time, Brother Josh, I got to lead so-and-so to the Lord. One of the greatest moments outside of my own salvation. Miss Phyllis, I remember not long ago, we had somebody, I called you in there. Man, you think they were crying. Me and Miss Phyllis were sobbing like babies. Jesus, Jesus just saved them in there. And as good as it was for them, it was so fulfilling in my life. That's new fruit, folks. That's the fruit of new life.